Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Spotlight. I'm Zach Bentley, Senior Reporter at Infrastructure Investor. With me on today's episode is Ajit Pai, partner at the US-based Searchlight Capital Partners and the former chairman of the Federal Communications Commission between January 2017 and January 2021. We sat down to discuss the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and its provisions for broadband funding. I began by asking him what he thinks some of the main impacts of the funding will be. To me, I think this is a unique opportunity for the United States to finally close the digital divide. I've been calling for years for substantial public funding for broadband infrastructure. In fact, my first major speech when I was the FCC chairman back in March of 2017, so almost uh, five years ago now, I suggested that Congress and the president work together uh, to put together funding for infrastructure, and in particular for digital infrastructure. And so I think this is a really exciting time for the country and for investors as well. I think the substantial funding that's available for broadband in this plan, in particular the $42 billion program that's going to be administered by the Department of Commerce, really gives some lift to some of the business plans that may have been sitting on the shelf for a while collecting dust because the economics simply didn't work, either for the internet service provider and or for the private capital investor there just wasn't a way to make the math work such that the unit economics would be appealing enough to execute. But how exactly will the rollout of these billions work practically? And how long will Americans have to wait to see the benefits of this? The FCC is supposed to put out maps that show where broadband infrastructure is and where it is not with much more precision. And then after that point, the states will have an ability to submit applications to the NTIA to say, Here are the unserved areas that we've got. Here's the estimated cost of serving those areas. Uh, Here are the priorities that we have and certain projects that we would like to fund. One of the great frustrations that I had when I was at the FCC, having come from a rural area myself that's on the wrong side of the digital divide, I always wanted to move faster and bolder. And just the reality of uh, government funding streams is they work very slowly and they have to go through certain administrative processes for good reasons. It's legally required, of course, and then uh, there are other uh, different equities that have to be considered. Uh, But I think that given this particular process, the way it was structured by Congress, it will take some time. Uh, Setting up these programs is not easy. The $100 million, for example, That's a lot of money, no question about it. But if you're a state that is just now starting to think about how to structure a program, it's not so much the money that is going to be the bottleneck, but the time and trying to summon the expertise from various stakeholders to figure out how to address the challenge in your state. That's going to take some time. There are also historical challenges which will likely delay the funding a little further. When I came into office in 2017, we started an initiative to upgrade the FCC's maps, which essentially relied on companies to report to us where they provided service. And those maps were completely inaccurate. But the problem is that Congress didn't give us funding, didn't give the FCC funding until December of 2020 in order to upgrade the maps using a crowdsourced initiative that was much more granular, much more uh, specific and accurate. And so now the FCC leadership has uh, now selected a vendor finally after many, many months. That vendor is now facing a procurement challenge that's going to delay things. In addition to that, uh, there are some IT issues that I understand uh, have been identified. And so that's going to kick the mapping process out even further. And the reason that's important is the NTIA cannot distribute the actual funding for broadband deployment until those maps are actually published. And so that's going to be, as the chemists would say, the rate limiting step. Until that mapping function happens, 
the money can't flow to the states. And so that in turn delays and pushes out the time in which uh, consumers would be able to see you know, some of this funding enter their states and certainly some of the infrastructure being deployed. Ajit believes this is a space where the private and public sectors can collaborate and help quicken the process. But this is one area where I hope that private capital can help solve the equation. I mean, I think if we know how much money is going to be available to any particular state, if we can figure out from the states uh, as they apply for these notices of funding opportunities, you where exactly they want to address some of this funding and who they might want to work with, that gives investors a little more certainty as to the contours of the opportunity. And then we can work collaboratively with those companies, with those states, and potentially with the NTIA itself to say, look, you know, we know that this is where the problem is. And we can even you know, potentially do some of the mapping ourselves. You know, the, port, the internet service providers have done some of that work. One of our, the companies that we've invested in in Virginia has done exactly that, doing its own mapping for its own jurisdiction. And so you know, that's one way to help speed things along. I was also keen to find out to what extent the bill continues the legacy of Ajit's work when he was at the FCC. I think it's a great continuation of the work uh, that we did at the FCC. And uh, I, I mentioned that speech I gave in March of 2017, simply to say that you know, this is something that I've been calling for for many, many years. And it, to me, it's not a partisan issue at all. It's you know, broadband infrastructure in unserved and underserved areas is not a Republican issue. It's not a Democratic issue. It's simply an American issue. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic has only underscored in the mind of virtually every consumer that I talk to the importance of having that broadband infrastructure at home and on the go. And so I'm hopeful that in the time to come, the Department of Commerce, the FCC and other agencies will embrace that same spirit that we had at the FCC to direct funding in a smart, prompt way uh, to solve this problem once and for all. Because I don't want us to be sitting here five years from now, 10 years from now, wondering, okay, why didn't we solve the problem before? Ajit also told us that while he didn't feel anything was missing from the bill, there are some aspects that he would change. The middle mile fiber program is only $1 billion. So the $42 billion that we talked about is primarily for serving last mile uh, residential broadband. There's a $1 billion middle mile infrastructure program as well. And one of the things I found is that in these extremely hard to serve remote areas, sometimes middle mile infrastructure can be uh, a, a critical part of the equation. Uh, we set up a program in Alaska, for example, to support middle mile infrastructure in recognition of the fact that the state is twice as big as Texas. And so even if you get that last mile to an Alaska native village, for example, above the Arctic Circle, if there's no middle mile infrastructure to connect it, you've essentially got a state-of-the-art network sitting in isolation. So that part of it, I wish, had gotten a little more attention. But nonetheless, you know, I think that you know, the fact that there's so much money coming for the support of last mile will attract private capital to support middle mile deployments as well. Addressing America's infrastructure problems has long been a difficult issue to tackle. But what has prevented addressing broadband connectivity specifically in the past? And I think uh, some of it was just the politics of Washington. Uh, this is a difficult place to get anything done. And uh, I was hoping at the time that infrastructure would be the exception to that rule. Because as I mentioned, uh, in my travels as chairman, I went to 49 states and the territories of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And whenever I talked about digital infrastructure people's eyes would light up. I mean, this is one of the things that would lead them to put politics aside and just simply focus on the public interest. And I hoped that uh, you know, the politicians in Washington would come around to the same view. And there was a lot of discussion about infrastructure over the last four years. But for whatever reason, there was never enough of a consensus uh, around broadband infrastructure, at least, to get the job done. Ajit believes Searchlight can help address some of these issues, although it would need a different approach for each state. 
I think there's a great role for private capital. And at Searchlight, for example, one of the things that we've done is to actually embrace this kind of complexity. I think in the pre-infrastructure plan days, there might have been a discussion, okay, here's a fiber provider, uh, you know, here are the unit economics, here's the ROI, let's just buy the company. And, uh, you know, it's it's relatively straightforward. uh, But now I think there's all this, this funding coming from the Department of Commerce. Some states also have their own independent funding streams. All of these funding streams come with different statutory requirements or regulatory criteria, et cetera. And so I think some investors might think, oh, this is just too complex. But at Searchlight, at least, we embrace that complexity because we think that this actually is a unique opportunity to make the business plan work. And in particular, in these rural and remote areas. He also urges those in governments not to adopt a one-size-fits-all approach. I think uh, flexibility from uh, the grant makers is critical. That's one of the things that I found uh, both at the FCC and in my time at Searchlight is that Every jurisdiction is different. Uh, There are different demographic challenges, topographical challenges. Now there are supply chain issues that some companies are facing as well in terms of supply. Uh, Workforce is going to be a major constraint as well. I think that uh, it's always tempting uh, from a regulatory perspective, I know this, to simply set a one-size-fits-all standard in Washington because then you can say, okay, you know, wash your hands of the problem. You've set a a rule for the entire country, but different places have different challenges. And, uh, you know, a part of rural Arizona that's uh, tribal and has mountains will be very different from a part of Virginia that's, while rural, has relatively easy to plow soil and uh, has jurisdictions that you know, might have already set up a program uh, to accommodate these investments, etc. Ajit is also keen for a more hands-off approach from politicians when it comes to regulation. The other thing uh, I would certainly hope that uh, both federal and state officials avoid is some of the regulatory impulse that might seem appealing at first, but ultimately would deserve the entire purpose of the program. And here I'm thinking primarily of things like price regulation. Uh, you know, I, We all want, of course, high-speed, reliable and affordable broadband to be supported through this program. That's one of the criteria is affordable. Uh, but I think affordable needs to be addressed through market-based tools, as, as, such as competition, as opposed to you know, price regulation coming from the federal government, especially the FCC, or through some of the state governments. Thank you, Ajit, and that's all for today. If you want to hear more episodes, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, or check us out on PI Media's various titles online. For Infrastructure Investor, I'm Zach Bentley. Thank you for listening.